Vandevin. Thanks for joining me today. This is Medium Lady Talks. This podcast is about figuring out the medium effort way to get the most out of life today. I hope the things I unpack here can role model and invite you to sort out your own ways to live life in the present. This is a show about experimenting to get closer to what matters most. I'm glad you're here, so let's settle in. Hello, hi. And welcome to Medium Lady Talks, episode 13. Whoa, lucky number 13. Do we say lucky number 13? I don't know. Today I am joined by a new internet friend, not a new internet friend, but an internet friend. I want to welcome Bridget Baker to the podcast. Bridget is a minimalist mentor per Instagram, which like, please just sign me up for my minimalist mentorship. She is a brand and website designer. She is a mojo maker. She's a lifestyle blogger. And she is really about simplifying life so that you can get going. And uh, per her uh, bio, get your mojo on. Uh, Bridget is also an RV aficionado, an expert. So Bridget, welcome so much. Thank you for talking to me today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And today, I think we're going to kind of talk about your thing, which is minimalism, and my thing, which is medium effort. And we're going to try to see if they can hold hands, if they can hold hands in a friendly way. Um, (laughs) But before we get started, tell me more about you beyond your really stellar bio on Instagram. (laughs) And, And, you know, you and I were kind of remarking before we started recording about you know, how the algorithm set us up. That was your brilliant insight. So tell me more, like, who are you? What are you all about? Yes. So, um, yeah, the, the, the Instagram algorithm hookup or something like, I don't know. <laughs> it, I, it's this funny thing where I feel like we're famous friends, even though we've never actually met, which is yeah. crazy. Um, I, so in my day job, I work for myself. I'm a brand and website designer. Um, I basically, I work with people who help people. So that is coaches, consultants, therapists, you know, anywhere in that lane. Um, I realized I don't want to go to enough school to be a therapist, but I love helping therapists. I don't want to coach people because I like to tell people what to do. So I like to work with people that work in those modalities and like really like to dig deep with people and um, make a difference in the world. And so I help them with their visual brand, with their messaging, with their writing. I'm a writer also. Um, So I kind of help people get anywhere from the beginning of their branding to launching their websites. And so I've had that business for about 10 years and we lived in Los Angeles for years and I was setting up this business in order to be a digital nomad. I didn't even know that was the name at the time, but to travel, live anywhere, I wanted freedom and flexibility. So eventually I said, well, why don't we try this out? And so five years ago, we left Los Angeles and we've been living in a travel trailer for five years. Um, so five I'm, years? I'm currently in a house. Yeah, five years we've been doing this. Um, the pandemic like slowed the whole role of everything because we have an agreement. Our agreement is basically when it stops being fun, we stop doing it, right? And so the pandemic, we stayed in one place for 15 months in the trailer. Um, and so I feel like we've kind of got a new resurgence of traveling again for a little bit and we'll, we'll see how it goes. But so that, you know, I kind of blend that into lifestyle. Um, I used to be a professional organizer as well. Uh, I've been organizing people since I was a child. I used to go to my friend's houses and clean out their closets and <laughs> stuff like that. And parents loved me. Um, and so I've, I have this, this passion for, um, 
decluttering, letting go, like going into a space and somebody's complaining about their space and I kind of help them get beyond the stuff and make the space what it's meant to be for them. Um, and so that then translates into lifestyle. So obviously our lifestyle in a trailer, we don't have things stored. We don't have things shoved away somewhere. We don't own the house. We just have our trailer. So that lifestyle lended itself to minimalism. So over the years, I embraced the the minimalist lifestyle and, and what that means and what it doesn't mean and have, you know, constantly learned versions of dogmatic things that don't work for me and, and things that it's, it's sort of, there's no one definition that works for everybody, I think is my, is my gist with it. So that's, that's who I am on, on Instagram and how we connected and what's, what's fascinating about the minimalism and the medium is because I've definitely yearned for sort of a softer, gentler way to talk about minimalism. That yeah. so as, even, even if I like to have not very many things, that doesn't mean that everybody wants to live that way or can live that way. You have kids, right. you have a house, you have right. whatever, you, have, you need more things sometimes. I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you're talking about me specifically, but. <laughs> you need a lot of lipstick. I do. Oh, I'm getting called out by the minimalist but for my <laughs> lipstick collection. But you do, because I know oh, I dang. watch you and I'm like, why don't I have more lipsticks? Like I never, <laughs> I never even had lipsticks to declutter. Like I have to like give myself you, permission you to buy have, lipstick. You, you have know? the perfect so, lipstick right now. You're you. stunning. And I will have to say, <laughs> no one's going to see this, but the backdrop within which I am viewing you is something I would steal off of the internet and use as a fake virtual backdrop. It is, I, I'm not sure if this is a space that you own, but it must have, it must have been benefited by your, your hand and it you're is. nodding because it's very beautiful. And, yeah, and I wish I could step through the screen right now and just enjoy <laughs> a cup of tea or sparkling water in this beautiful sunny filled space. I am, I'm in my mother's house, um, which is sort of as we travel on the road, this is like our mailing address basically. And, and where, you know, we come and when we're not traveling and, and I uh, sort of reorganized her space in a particular way to make it because she's also on zoom a lot and does things. And I suggested let's, let's make some adjustments and things. So yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely curated, but I love, honestly, I love curating zoom spaces. I would love to just do nothing but that for people like that would be, I, th I think there's a market for it. I have no doubt. If you can do it virtually, curate Zoom spaces for people. Honestly, as somebody who has not known virtual life before COVID, the work that I do is very present-based. It's very hands-on. It's very face-to-face. -face. My entire sector, I work in healthcare, has transitioned to the virtual space for m much of our work, including interviews. And so in my role, I interview a lot of people. And I will tell you that many people have not put consideration into their handshake of a virtual background. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm just gonna, I'll just, that's a digression a little bit. I mean, I have no excuses, right? I have no small <laughs> children with like loads of whatever the thing about oh the sending, sending your kids down to the dryer that was on your <laughs> like the multiple loads of dishwashing and laundry. Yeah. Today. Like I don't oh have that God. problem. Right. So like, what's my excuse? But I mean, I think it's amazing that, yeah, the, the way that your space is curated and the intentionality behind it. I think that's just the key. And it does, I guess, to me, that's, the biggest piece of minimalism to me is intentional living yeah. and curating, whether that's curating your space intentionally. And if you had someone come over to your house, you'd clean up, right? It's the same thing. So mm -hmm. 
yeah, you'll see people on Zoom and you're like, can you make your bed behind right. you? Like, what's going on back there? Like, yeah. you know, just just put a little, like put a medium effort in, really. I mean, you don't need a mat. I don't need a lot of things, right? I just at least make the bed, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so true. It's so true. But I think, you know, what you just said, you know, about that intentionality, intentionality while you kind of move about your life is really, that's the name of the game to kind of unlocking so many other things because when you can kind of take the distance between your lived life your ideal self and then proceed with intentionality what happens is you get closer to those things that i find very tactile so like i call it mindful fun is like when i'm living with intention i can access fun very quickly when i think about it If I don't think about it, I can go through a whole day without having any fun at all. But it is that intentional piece. And that's a habit that people have to practice when it comes to anything that you decide is important. But I think what you're saying here is like the intentionality is like people look at minimalism as minimalism has probably, and I would say, what would you say? You're You're the minimalist expert. I would say in the last three years has become a real ideal for us to aspire to. And I think people don't proceed with intentionality towards minimalism. They see it as the way they're supposed to live. I'm using air quotes. Uh And so they pursue it without intentionality because it's held up as an ideal and they end up in a really uncomfortable, unhappy place that can feel like a failure because you got to stop and think about a, what is minimalism to you? Because I think you can also, we can talk about how I think there's definitely going to have to be a sliding scale and why does it matter? So let's talk about that. Let's talk about minimalism. Mm -hmm. You said you kind of started on that journey five years ago and what kind of, was this always just who you were meant to be, Bridget? You were organizing things since you were a small child. So yeah, I was organizing (laughs) things. I was decluttering things for people. um, And so seeing the weight and the gravity and the amount of time and energy we spent decluttering things. So I wasn't focused. I mean, I I had that business probably almost 20 years ago and I wasn't focused on decluttering as much. It was sort of like organizing what people had and just making the space work better. Um, you know, they'd say they wanted a home office, but they had the guest, what a lot of people have the guest room full of like storage crap. Right. And yeah, they're like, yeah. Why, what are we doing with this literal real estate that we're paying money for? Yeah. I could have a guitar studio in here. I could have a podcast. It wasn't even yeah. podcasting back yeah. then. It was like, they just, they wanted a craft room, whatever it was. Sure. They had to, like, I need a bigger house. It was like, no, there's probably already room in your house. If we like rework, get rid of, you know. So that was kind of the focus. And then I didn't, like I said, I didn't even know there was a name to it. Um, Really, I started kind of delving into learning about minimalism in 2006, 2007 or so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then just kind of paring my own life down. Also, I had made a lot of major life transitions where Mm -hmm. I would say sort of, in a way, now I recommend it for people that you move around quite a bit and like let your life Mm -hmm. fall apart because you, you have to let go of things. It's like, oh, divorce, you know, travel. Yeah. Am I going to really haul this across country? Is this really that worth it to me? Or should I get something new? And then does this even, you know, that kind of thing. So I did a lot of those things personally. Um, And then, uh, yeah, getting like we had sprawled out then in our home in Los Angeles and it entertained and it was great, like to have a lot of space for people. But then it was, okay, great. We want to go on the road in this trailer. Our life is dictating what our stuff looks like. You know, it wasn't just, oh, I'm going to have 50 shirts and I'm going to have this and I'm going to have only a hundred possessions. And 
there was no game about it like that. It was just like, okay, here's how big my closet is. What goes in there? What do I really need? It's, you know, I mean, I've changed things. I've changed my style over the years too. It's not like, oh, these are the only 10 things I've had for 10 years or something. There's not that there's no consumption going on or consumerism going yeah. on. There yeah. is, but there's an intentionality. There's like a, does this fit in my lifestyle? And I think, especially with the pandemic, it's interesting to see people. I mean, I said something, I was like, is it, shouldn't every day be casual Friday? Like at every office now, like what, you know, people, you've seen people on zoom and your sweats, like what, who are we kidding that you're going to go in like a mini skirt and heels back to work? Like, yeah, it's crazy, yeah. right? That's, no, that's like the it's standard. True. It's you know? true. I had a meeting with a lawyer today on zoom and she, w- she would looked great, but she literally was wearing like a baseball t-shirt and I could have sworn she was about to, you know, go play like some kind of rec league game after our call. Yeah, in a way, does that soften the way that you're connecting with people instead of this, like, put For on me, armor? it does. Yeah. yeah, for me, it does, because I'm a very curious person, and so um, <laughs> not, in the, not in the, like, hey, your t-shirt's kind of, like, not what I expected. Tell me more about your, <laughs> but, right? but, you know, like, it does absolutely, uh, mm. for me, as someone who is very drawn to people in a positive way, it does give me additional, you know, keys to the code, right? Yep. But I think that's not the case for everyone, and, and that in and of itself is, like, is, like, a big challenge. But what you're describing in terms of minimalism for yourself is, a sliding scale or it's yeah. a very fluid it's a fluid guiding guiding light when you yeah you identify with the mm-hmm. with the fact that you're a minimalist you would say i'm a minimalist is that yeah. true yes and i have okay. for years um, okay I, what's interesting is i <laughs> i get more turned off by the phrase recently than i than i used to because i think there's too much there's so much dogmatic minimalism going yeah. on there. like how extreme can i be or right and again, it's like, well, if you have the luxury, you know, people used to say, oh, it's just for the wealthy because it's like, oh, the, how great that you can travel the world and live in Airbnbs out of a backpack. Like, good for you. <laughs> but like, that's not everybody's like, oh, you don't need anything except you need to rent a whole house yeah. that has all the stuff in it that somebody else had. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's just, I think it really is the, um, it's not what's the minimum amount either because that looking at the minimum amount or the minimum effort it's actually like maximum effort. It takes a lot of work to be a minimalist. It's constantly like filtering and looking at like, is that the actual right thing to buy instead of just like, oh, it's a thing that's on sale. You know, does this thing go in my whole vibe of what I'm creating right now for myself and sort of experimenting with that even. Am I constantly looking at why you're buying things too, I think is is a key. Um, Instagram is really dangerous and really lovely because, you know, there's these products that we get to find out and then we, I mean, I've gotten some fantastic products, right? But it's like, oh my gosh, yes. And some of them, but some of it is, um, it's just like, oh, I have, I should have that. I should be wearing that. Like everybody, like it starts to, the insecurity that it breeds. And I think it's, it's just living beyond that and really getting, getting a sense for yourself of what you want your life to look like. And then what goes with that? So mm-hmm. the biggest piece, like if you're designing this particular life where you want to travel all the time, then your stuff just doesn't fit into that life in a particular way. So it's like, what fits? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's to look at okay. that. It's like, instead of just shoving something in an attic, like for maybe someday, it's like, am I really going to deal with that again? Or am I just shoving it in an attic? And then my kids have to deal with that at some point. I mean, that's, and that's a huge piece of honestly what, um, what I think is important is what we can do for our children and our families. Things happen. We all die. That's a thing, right? Yeah. Um, And it's what do you, 
what impact do, what do you want to really have people deal with your stuff? I mean, it's, it's a real thing. And I've watched people in my life have to deal with that. I've had to deal with that. Um, it's like, how, how simple can you make everything for yourself so that if someone had in an emergency, <laughs> we're in a pandemic, literally, I mean, you go in the hospital, no one could go in there with you, right? If you had to have someone handle yeah. all your finances, would everything be all organized and simplified and streamlined? Yeah. Or is it a chaotic mess all over your house? You know, yeah. that, that kind of thing. I think it's just a, and, and, and the other thing is personality too. I think there's levels because I am, I tend to be on the anxious spectrum, a little bit OCD. Um, and I found, I think with clutter for me, it was a way to manage my anxiety. So mm -hmm. if I have, and, and I'm a creative person. So if I have a clean slate, I'm more creative. If I've got things all over the place, I feel like I'm distracted. I feel like I have to do things. I can't just focus on my creative work. So, you know, I think it just depends on people's levels of comfort. Not everybody's the same. Not everything's for everyone. Um, but it really is just like, it is that it's that conversation about intentionality, which mm -hmm. is again, so similar to the medium, medium approach, right? It's like, because you, I mean, you are great at, uh, what I was listening to your podcast and you have the themes, right? You've got like a theme for the month. You've got a theme <laughs> for the quarter. I mean, that to me, that's not medium, that's maximum. I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> um, but you're very like what a lot of minimalists will say. It's like, don't try to do all the habits at once. Don't try to like stop smoking, stop drinking, lose weight. Right. Right. Uh, write a novel, whatever, all at one time. Like, we'll have a one habit at a time and check it out. You know, check it out for 30 yeah, days. And you might go, that's you know right. What? I'm believing that I was doing like, you know, running or whatever. I'm not, yeah. I don't want to run. My knees yeah. hurt. This is not good for me. <laughs> Goodbye. But I tried it for 30 days, whatever. Um, that's right. That kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I think it does go back to what you said about intentionality, but you said something before, and I want to hear your perspective on it because you said, what do you want your life to look like? And then choose the things that fit that. Mm -hmm. But Bridget, yeah, <laughs> is that not a terrifying notion for people to actually claim what they want their lives to look like? It is. Because I myself was really only pushed to this journey through a painful point, a painful moment after having my third son yeah. and, and found a lot of healing and joy and self-discovery out of exactly that question. What do I want my life to look like? If yeah. I strip away the title of mom, if I strip away the title of boss, if I strip away the title of homeowner, what does my life look like? What are my hobbies? What do I do for fun? Yeah. And so then I had to imply, apply intentionality to that question of what do you, not, not from a things perspective, but, but I think minimalism, like we're still, we're still there really big time in terms of what do you want your life to look like? Do you ask people that question and do their brains fall out of their heads and their minds melt into a puddle when you ask them that? Because I think that is where many people get stuck. Yep. And they look for the stuff that's going to define their life for them. If I drive a Lexus, I must have this kind of life versus the car I would like to drive needs to fit this kind of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I watched a friend of mine purchase a car to fit his lifestyle because it was what was expected. Like he had to mm -hmm. show up in this particular car and they couldn't really afford it, but it was like the status of the whole uh, persona of him had to show up in a particular way so that he's like, if I don't have a nice car, I'm going to get like sneered at at work. Even if I can't afford it, I have to look like I can afford it. And I thought, this is ridiculous. They're actually, you, they actually know how much they're paying you and you're yeah. going to show up in this car. This is crazy. 
but it's like, how much do we do? How much do we present that's not really authentic to us? Also, I think that's the thing. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like you're saying, armored with what we have, sometimes it's hard to see beyond what we want to do, you know? So you're like oh. a mom, a job, a thing. It's like all these things can become your identity and what are you underneath that? And so when you look at like, where do I want to go? That's then the, then the stuff like falls away. It's not about like go in and, and see what outfits don't spark joy or, I mean, that it's a beautiful analogy, all of that. I don't really ascribe to that philosophy because I think for some people it can get into organized hoarding territory. They can like, everything can spark joy and they won't get rid of anything, right? <laughs> because they're not really looking at, it's like, I'm going to get rid of it, so what? And it's just going to come back two months later. Yeah. And what is the real context of what the why underneath they're, they're right. doing? Thing. And so right. that, that's what's important is like the intentional living is meaningful living and people really, they want to find a purpose to their lives. They don't want right. to just be like, here's how crammed, you know, I, when I lived in Los Angeles, we found ourselves around people that were constantly claiming how busy they were and they mm -hmm. couldn't, couldn't even schedule dinner with them for a month. They were just so busy. And I that's thought, me. whose life that's are me. you? That's me. I'm those people. But I, that's, but I was like, whose life are you living? Like they were, they were dissatisfied. Like I have three parties today. My life sucks. <laughs> What first of all, what a problem to have that you know so many great people that have invited you to all these parties, right? But second of all, it was like, if this doesn't work for you, then what the hell are you doing? Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think it's it's really you have to start with that foundation of like, where do I want to go in my life? What do I want to do? What do I want to create? You know, for yourself, with your family, with your partner, in your job. Like, look at all those different areas. That's of your right. Life and That's right. Go, what what fits, what doesn't fit. Yes, yes. And and for you, someone who's been doing this for much of their conscious life, <laughs> yeah. I think that what you role model to people is how to make a choice and then make another choice and be totally still a minimalist. If you make a choice to live in LA with things and if you decide to be a minimalist in your home, and then you decide that you're also a minimalist who abandons their material possessions in favor of living in an RV for five years. I think that that's a really important middle ground that we don't see when we see Marie Kondo talk about sparking joy and holding the stapler and being sweetly caressing and holding it like an infant puppy dog. Right. And saying, does the spark stapler spark joy? And then if it doesn't, it's a very easy reason to get rid of it. I right. think, you know, what happened instead is that maybe tomorrow the stapler won't, today it will, tomorrow it might not, or five years from mm -hmm. now, and that's still fine, mm -hmm. is that once you choose to get rid of something, you might buy a stapler another day, and that will be all right. And I think that where people really yeah. get um, stuck in using their things to define the, their identities is if I get rid of the stapler, then I become a person who doesn't have a, I'm using a stapler again. I, I'm yes. just literally, no, like, my home is very cluttered right now. And so I could pick up anything. Stapler is an excellent analogy for, you know, for a lot <laughs> But of what reasons. I'm saying is, mm -hmm. is like, is like, you know, if I get rid of a stapler, then I'm a person who no longer has a stapler. Mm -hmm. instead of my lifestyle doesn't need me to have a stapler forever and I have a neighbor who has a stapler and I choose to be the person who uses their neighbor's stapler yes my lifestyle I mean, accommodates for the stapler not the stapler holding up my life as a crutch of of a thing but also like in 10 years I might have three staplers yep and that and might be still be okay. a minimalist right because I decided I love staplers right? <laughs> 
who cares? Yeah, right? and that was I where think- my makeup collection came from. Was a huge part of that. Was I've loved makeup for years, long time, and I would buy it in like sneaky ways and enjoy it without sharing that joy with anybody. And then part of the process was sort of like you know admitting that I makeup is a hobby for me, admitting that I like to talk about it and 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 not sharing it. Coming home from the drugstore or Sephora, whatever, and showing my three sons who could give a flip about a lip gloss. Like, look at this. Look what I got. They're going to have a makeup Whoa. YouTube channel. They're going to see no. what's happening. <laughs> we got like a secret channel. <laughs> but, but, but identifying that yeah. this is a thing I like, and I like to have a lot of that thing, um, is also kind of like still intentionally curating the life that mm-hmm. I want to live, mm-hmm. but it's not minimalism. Um, but again, kind of like, I would love to hear more about how would you help somebody? Cause you're a helper. You help the helpers with your website building. If we were going to talk about pursuing minimalism with medium effort mm-hmm. and we've talked about intentionality, where do people start with question. not being too dogmatic mm-hmm. and being um, so minimalist that that's actually how they act out their anxiety and distress in yeah. the world yeah. or the reverse, which is sort of like, uh, life's a crapshoot and I'm just going to abandon any sense of responsibility for the items in my life or the, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like somewhere yeah. in the middle. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's inter- interesting that there's a lot of things I just heard in what you said. So one of the things I want to go back into is you said something about choice. And that's, I think, a huge thing because, again, as I mentioned, I said my life fell apart several times, right? Yeah. Like I, was, I went through a divorce. I had to move across the country and like kind of almost left everything um, years ago. I uh, then lived in an apartment and had a very curated amount of things. And then we got, uh, is it burglarized or robbed? I'm not sure what it is. When you're not there and someone comes in and breaks into your house and steals Oh my gosh. So everything valuable, my roommate and I, they stole. And it was <gasps> interesting because I went, oh, wow, I'm okay. She's okay. Nobody's hurt. We're fine. Everything's fine. Wow. You know, it was just this awareness of like, we're okay. Nothing like really crucial, even though the valuable stuff got stolen. It was nothing like sensitive, nothing, you know, with sensitive information on it. Nothing like that, right? And so that was also a very good awareness of like, oh, our stuff is just our stuff and, and it can go away, it can disappear, it can, things can happen to it, um, jobs can get lost, lives can change, things yeah. can sort of like happen to us. And then I think it's like, what do you choose in that moment? What do you right. choose to do with your life from there? Right. And so I think what happens is when we get inside of these lifestyles, we sort of get armored with this stuff and we have less space to choose. And so the key is if you're sitting there dreaming of doing something for years, like the first thing you should start doing is start like getting rid of stuff and letting go of stuff and like going, okay, what won't fit into this dream of my lifestyle? And what can I start curating that maybe gives me like tastes of the lifestyle? And so the makeup thing is a great example because it's like, here's this thing you loved and you were sort of like, you know, hiding it away in a closet. And it's like, why don't I like celebrate this, help other people geek out that geek out on this too. And it's as long as you're using it and loving it, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But Mm -hmm. I think you did it really intentionally because you were like, cool, I'm going to check this out and I'm going to decide what I'm going to chuck or not or whatever, you know, and it made you realize 
you start learning about yourself because then you probably I'm sure there's I, I haven't been in the makeup palette world um I used to I used to be like a dancer so I used to wear lots of like stage makeup and things so my, <laughs> my relationship to makeup is very different I'm like yeah I had to wear that but um now it's like you know I see you curating these makeup palettes and all these things and it's just a fun creative expression and mm -hmm. so of course you have to buy another palette because it's different colors you have, to have <laughs> tools in the toolbox Absolutely. like you can't really orange into a blue. I mean, you have to, you have to choose these things. Right. And then you go, wow, blue is awful on me. Okay. Yeah. Blue, blue goodbye. But some people would go, oh, but I spent the money on it. And it's really nice. That's right. I can't give it to anyone else. Cause you can't donate a palette and that's gross and weird, especially during a pandemic. So I'm just going to keep all these palettes that I spent all this money on. Yeah. That's, that's where the, like the guilt and the shame around the purchasing comes in too. Mm. And so then the other thing is, is, um, I think this sort of extreme minimalism vibe has a lot of a tone of shame to it. A lot of yeah. a like, you shouldn't have this much stuff. How dare you? Why did you purchase all these things? What are you hiding about yourself? You know, there's right. such a, right. a tone there right. instead of just like meeting people where they're at and going, okay, it can be a process. It might, mm. you might want to get rid of everything in a weekend because you're so fed up and you're ready to make a change or yeah. life is making a change for you. Right. Um, or you might do it gradually to kind of see how it feels, you know? You make um, a really good point about the really um, dogmatic minimalists where it's sort of like equated to health. It's like the less things you can have, the healthier of a person you are. And the more things you have, the more of a nasty, unhealthy person you are. Yeah. And that's just, that's only one kind of like, stream of of identity I guess as a minimalist again I think like the thing that I love that you're saying again and again is really about allowing the idea of building the life that you want or defining your life and letting your things slowly match up to that dream mm -hmm. is the sense of time you use the word space mm -hmm. but sometimes I talk to people and I say well what what would you like to do what would you, how would you have fun? Sometimes people say to me, I don't know how you read so much. And yeah. I say like, well, not really about like the how, like, although maybe that's more useful to you, but like, do you want to be reading more? And sometimes people don't know the answer to that, even though they see that I'm a person that reads more than they do. And then they feel baffled by that or there's yeah. some kind of of influence there that they yeah. they feel like they have to explain to me why they don't read as much as I do and then I have to ask them like well how much would you want to be reading and they have no answer to that that's okay so long as you don't walk away from that uncomfortable part which is the like I don't know but I follow 20 bookstagrammers and I have a lot of holds on my library card and I've bought mm -hmm. 62 books in the last year during the pandemic, you know, and then it's kind of about people are nervous to confess that they want to claim a life that they don't currently have. I don't know why, yeah. you know, and but then it's like, okay, we'll just sit there. Don't explain it away. Don't even declutter anything yet. Mm -hmm. Just sit in the idea of the life that you want. Yep. And let that become more crystallized, more tangible, more actual before you execute on anything. Because where the distress comes in sometimes is when we get a fuzzy idea of what we want and we move towards decluttering or clearing space. 
And then we hit up against something with a fuzzy definition and we get a little bit freaked out. Yeah. That's, I think, where spark joy really, people fall apart. Yeah, because, and and also there's, I think there's levels of what the spark joy piece doesn't always address is there's levels of mental health stuff under sure. the clutter. Like there is, even if you don't define someone as a hoarder, there's emotions in the stuff. There's mm-hmm. boxes of things tucked away that we don't want to look at sometimes. And then we pull them out and we're like, oh gosh, I'm reminded of something that makes me feel bad and I have to deal with it and I have to deal with my emotions. And so it's not always a journey to take by yourself and just, oh, take a weekend. And you know, it's like, sometimes you need a, someone to help you, a therapist and a declutter. I have a, a client who's a death doula, which is her, one of her terms. Wow. She does like the actual, like, yeah. a, you know, for people that have estates and things for like sure. that. Parental clutter and things like that, um, or they're planning, they're on end of life um, mm-hmm, care mm-hmm. and things like that. So, I mean, there's, there's different stages to all of it. Um, and I think that, you know, the key is that intentionality. And like you were saying about reading books, I think it was, you were talking on one of your podcasts about, um, you know, it's kind of like folding the laundry or it was something, there was some analogy of like folding the laundry, doing the dishes or something versus like taking the time. And just that's right. Book. Yeah. And so you have to make space for these things. And I think sometimes people can't see beyond the clutter. Mm-hmm. Like when I was working as an organ professional organizer, it was like someone I liberate, I call it liberating stuff, but it was like, I liberated someone's closet and then they had a photo studio. They made a photography studio or something. And then they ever like, you know what? I can have a dark room in my bathroom if I like clean out all this extra stuff out of my guest bathroom. And like we, like they had a whole thing that they really wanted to do. Yeah. And by getting all that stuff out of the way, they actually had space to do this thing. They just didn't have physical space in their house to produce yeah. what they really wanted to do. And so I think it's whether it's mental space, physical space, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you have to kind of go, what's really important to me? And, and sometimes just, Sometimes the decluttering is a step because when you clear some of that out, you can actually see clearly what you want. Some people don't even know what they want because they're so mired in, here's what I'm looking at. I have to just want this thing that I spent money and time and energy on, right? Right, right, Even if Even if they're miserable. Right. And so it's like, what you know, I used to call it like making space to dream because you can't- Yeah. You can't envision a new life for yourself sometimes when there's clutter in the way. Okay. Okay. So that flips my, my philosophy on its head, which is like, don't declutter anything until you've spent some time inside with that vision. But maybe that, and then I say people kind of freak out. They're like, I don't know. And then (laughs) let me buy another book. I don't know. Um, But what you're saying is clear a shelf Mm -hmm. and put three of your new books on the shelf. Mm -hmm or not no none of the books on the shelf and then yeah. allow your your dreams of being a reader to call to you the books that need to be on the shelf and get rid of the books that don't need to be on the shelf clear okay. the like you know how there's the the chair you everybody has like the chair yeah I literally bought one of these at one point just to fill up a corner and then of course what it becomes a repository for like yeah. the stages of semi-clean clothes <laughs> Clear the, clear the chair off, make like a nice little reading nook for yourself, yeah. move a lamp over there, stick some books on a table of those new books you've bought and go, yeah, that thing is inviting you to go read. That's right. Like, That's right. It's like a lover calling to you versus That's just right. like, I don't know, they're shoved in the shelf, they're in a bag yeah. in the closet. Yeah. Like, still in the bag, still there. You know, it's and true. even limit yourself, go, I'm not going to buy any more books until I read these books. And mm-hmm. even giving yourself permission, like I could start reading the book and not like it, not be into it. It's not what I expected. And I can let it go. 
yeah know, like that, that too i think just finding finding new ways to to look at it but yeah you you have to make the space for these things to live in your life and so sometimes it's a decluttering sometimes it's just a, a mental decluttering sometimes it's also giving yourself a permission slip and sometimes i mean that's what i do with a lot of my clients i just give them permission slips to like admit they want to do something and then it's like okay if we're doing that what do we need to do you know even yeah. if they have 10 degrees in something it's like well, do you want to do something else? Great. Right, Let's right. Do that. Let's right. reimagine your life. So we've talked a lot about space. And then the other day, uh, we were kind of texting back and forth and I had, mm-hmm. I had kind of shared on sto- Instagram stories that I was sort of in this kind of really unusual in-between place, very much a transition, very much a pause. Things were very quiet and just sort of like waiting for something to start but nothing had quite ended yet. And I felt like I was kind of, I used the word this liminal space. I didn't feel very creative. My my whole body felt kind of quiet. And that was an idea you were like, I'm really interested in this idea and let's talk more about it. Mm-hmm. But it's already kind of really come to the surface very much as a way that you think about transitions. Yeah, yeah. Because of the way your life has unfolded. Yes. I mean, I think there's so much, I think what I resonated with you with sharing that on Instagram about your, what you were going through in your life. I mean, a lot of people are going through that with this sort of, I'm in California right now. And just on the 15th, it was sort of like, everything's open. And it was the scary, like, really, are we really there? And can we be, are we going to be shamed if we wear a mask somewhere? Should we not be, whatever, All all the different levels of those things, because in a way it's like this excitement, we've been waiting for this thing, right? But there's this moment of, oh, I'm kind of in this weird in-between space where it feels I'm not ready to go do all these things yet, even though I haven't been doing them. And maybe my life looks different and my priorities look different than they looked a year. I don't want to go do as many things. I'm like happy doing less things now. I've actually leaned into more downtime than ever, you know, not being so hustle culture, not working on the weekends because I'm an entrepreneur and I have to work 60 hours to get there or whatever. It's like, oh, do I have to go back to that? Like this is, this is a weird. So I was just feeling that in between space. And then I was thinking, yeah, there's this, there's this permission to let yourself be in the space. And so another thing in in minimalism is we tend to like to fill up empty spaces with things. Like I mentioned, I had this corner and I I was like, I have to fill the corner with the chair. So I had to purchase a thing that I didn't really want to fill up a space. And I thought, what about just having an empty, what's wrong with an empty space? You know, what's wrong with an empty wall? Keep the wall empty until you get the right thing. I was talking to a, a new client today and she was saying she had moved into a new place like right before quarantine started in San Francisco last year. And she hadn't bought a couch yet and she lives by herself. So she's of course, I guess, been on her bed or chair or whatever. And she said, you know, I just, I wanted the space to just be before I just put something in it. And so I think we don't often, it's uncomfortable. It's a yes. uncomfortable to be in the empty space. It's like a, a silent pause in a conversation. We have to fill it with some witty banter or something. Yeah. Yeah. So like if you let yourself really sit in a space and go, what do I really need? What do I really want? What's really important to me? then that's gold, you know? Mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. like actually choosing that empty weird between time and checking in with yourself and the mm-hmm. less things you have and not just physical things, but the less things you have distracting you from that space, the more you can actually allow yourself to be in that space. Same thing with like, you know, I'm, I'm big on mindfulness and meditation and yoga and, 
and and moving your body and things like that. I, those those are all opportunities to make yourself be more present in the space. Right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. Why is it so uncomfortable? Ugh. Because it's all the things that we do when we're not in the space. Mm-hmm. You know, we're distracting ourselves. I was someone I was talking to the other day said something about like taking baths. She was like, "Why do people take baths?" And she was like, <laughs> I don't think I could just sit with my thoughts like that. <laughs> and it was an interesting because it made me realize, like, instead of it being a relaxing thing, it was like, a, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in that, in that empty space, all the stuff we don't want to deal with floods in, all the stuff that's scary, you know, and yeah. then, there's, but then there's tools to deal with that. There's awareness. There's, okay, maybe I need to go talk to someone. Maybe I need to text a friend. Maybe I don't want to be alone right now. I think that's that's a huge thing is putting connection in the space too. Maybe, maybe I should go like you did. Maybe I should go on Instagram and tell people I'm in this really weird. I'm not like in the cute, pretty makeup tutorial space. I'm in this, like, I'm feeling really funky and it it makes a difference for people because people don't think give themselves permission to be in a space. They feel like they have to always be like productive and have it all figured out and and all those things. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's, I mean, I don't know why, that's why I think it's uncomfortable. I'm not sure what you, what you think, but. I think it's that, you know, we're very motivated to figure it out. We're very motivated to take the problem set before us, to take the clutter, to take the, the ideas, the creative thing, the hustle. We're very motivated to like get to the end of it and have it be produced you know the pandemic forced space on a lot of us mm-hmm. and our unwillingness to sit in it and maybe many of us were suffering beforehand but our w- unwillingness to sit in it has resulted in a lot of ineffective coping strategies that are manifesting now in terms of this mental health crisis yeah. that more people than ever will be turning to mindfulness yoga minimalism as well i'm certain because these are things that soothe and they heal and they give you a a sense of place they give you a sense of space they give you a sense of belonging a sense of of things being right and you know i think the other thing that hopefully these things coach people to do is to turn inward and and get back to that question of what do you want your life to be and go for and then proceed and, and sure, I think also too, like it's worth acknowledging that we're both speaking from a place of privilege where we can yes. very much step into society and ask that of society uh-huh. um, based on, you know, our education, our, the color of our skin, our yeah. position in society, our ability, our, you know, education, our socioeconomic status. Uh-huh. But truly, truly, I do really think that there is a lot of the time that we spent with ourselves during the pandemic that was really fruitful for some people and tremendously painful for other people. Even people who said, thank God I don't have to go to the soccer game on Saturday. Thank goodness the the talent show was canceled. Oh my gosh, we don't have to go to church every Saturday and be with all those people anymore. You know, um, I don't have to like put myself together after a day at work for drinks with the girls. You know, thank goodness all these things look at all this space. Oh, this is so great. Mm -hmm. And then at a certain point, you do find yourself in that liminal area between, you know, what you had and what you want. And if you don't really know what you want, then you can feel really upset. 
you know, yeah, really disoriented. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it is like you said, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a place of privilege. I mean, my life didn't change much. So I already had a life where I was working by myself all day long. I was already on zoom with my clients. Like that was my life anyway. So, um, and I had simplified my life in a particular way, whatever. And I, but I started connecting with more people in, in digital spaces and more people around the world. And, and so it was interesting to get different perspectives on that too. And then, but yeah, leaning into the, um, I just started reading the book that launched yesterday, was it yesterday, two days ago, the Afro minimalist guide to living less, Okay, uh, which is a really fantastic book. Um, it, put it on your book club. I will. That you have, um, because she is like, she was a lawyer. She was an African studies major. So it's like looking at minimalism through the lens of the African diaspora. Incredible. Looking at culturally where the accumulation of stuff comes from. So I get there's very, like I that's why I mentioned there's not, you know, there's some people that are literally in a mental health space about it. There's some people that are socioeconomic space about it. So it's not, it's not, um, I think it's just from wherever you are what works for you? What do you want? What do you want given where you're at? You know, I've, I've lived in spaces where I've not had a lot of money a lot of the time in my life. So it's been like, okay, how do I get like joy in my day? How do mm -hmm. I get, mm -hmm. I don't have a patio. How do I get outdoor space in my day? I'm going to go mm -hmm. walk or how do I, I'm at a job that I hate. How do I go give myself a mental break for a half an hour instead of going to lunch with the whole crew of work people, I need a break from everybody because I need to get out of this and I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. And mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I think it's just a constant assessing of what you need. And that's the hugest piece. And like, if you can apply that too to medium effort, like what's the, what's, what do I need? And what's the medium effort way to get there? You know, you don't right. have to go crazy extreme minimalism. But if you see it and it gives you a little sense of it, then you can get like, get comfortable with it and you can do a little more and you can do a little more and then you can mm -hmm. do a little more mm -hmm. and then gradually things will look different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think too that, um, you know, for me, okay, great. I have a really wonderful, beautiful life that is a magnet for stuff. My stapler, there's a random <laughs> toy here on my kid's desk. I literally have some goggles right here, um, as well as a toy car. Might this is that. not planned. I legit have within my reach <laughs> these items. I wish I was living in a life where the desk was clear, the lighting was great, and that somebody could stumble upon me at any given moment in my life and it would look beautifully curated. So there's a lot of times when the appeal of minimalism to me is also not performative, but it's like the idea that I could be living in a perfect home that's mm -hmm. not cluttered with stuff. You know, that's very much the place of resistance that I find many people come to minimalism to, which is this dream of the ideal self, mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, I posed this question to you. I said, you know, like, I am not a minimalist. Yep. I, I, I actually really like input. I mm -hmm. think it's kind of like a strength of mine, you know, the collection of ideas of books that I've read of people that I've met, you know, I really like the idea of input. Mm -hmm. However, it's so dang appealing to me and so many people, mm -hmm. you know, professional organizer, come on in, please, Bridget, come on in, bulldoze the whole place down. It's fine. I'll be fine. And it'll be done. 
and it might be perfect. Yeah. Rainbow, your refrigerator. That's the one that's that show, the home edit, whatever. Oh I mean, my gosh. It's kind of amazing and people geek out on it, but I'm like, after like how many days does that thing just look like a disaster? Because you actually, like you use one thing and it messes up the whole row yeah. of rainbow. You're like, oh, I ate a red and I put it back where the purple was or whatever. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. It's not sustainable. And I think that's the other thing is what, that's why I say it's like what works for me might not work for everybody. You know, right, like right, I, right my husband and I, we, we have like a joke and a song. Part of it, again, because we live in a very small space, if something's out, somebody can't use that space. Mm. So we have kind of this joke song that's like about putting stuff away, basically. It's like a way, away, away, and that, you know, everything in its place, right? Because you make space for things. Everything has a place. And then when you're done with something, you put it away so that the mm -hmm. space is clean for the next person to use it. Because there's literally, you know, not the luxury of having a lot of space in a trailer. So, it, you know, depending on your lifestyle, right? But then you've got little kids and it's like time and energy. What's more important? You, you choose, you know, your priorities. So sometimes for me, a priority is cleaning the space. Like that's because I don't feel great if something's like, if there's like stuff all over something. I like, you know, you'll know I'm like off my game if there's clutter on my desk or something and, then, and I can feel it, right? And so I go, oh, wait a minute. Let me take five minutes, clean stuff up. And then I feel better. That's just me. That's not mm -hmm. everybody, right? And so if if things like that in your instead of having to make it so Pinterest perfect, right? You know, just just setting yourself up with these little strategies. It's like here's a daily, like you said, it's I know my life's on track if I do the dishes in the dishwasher twice yeah. a day. Yeah. So it's like setting up these and life happens, stuff happens, right? And so you you know that some days that's not gonna work out, right? Yeah. But it's like you get, you get, you have a real sense of what works for you and what mm -hmm. your baseline is. And so I think people don't take the time to go, okay, so what if I just like, I know Friday's laundry day and then I like put it out of my brain the rest of the week and I have it and it's laundry thing and it goes there and it all gets put away on Friday and it's done. And that's like, that's Friday, you know, however that is, it's, it's planning, like, what are these things I need to do in my space, giving them space and time to get done. You know, and then again, life happens around that. You recommit, you make choices, whatever. But I think that's that's a key piece of it. Like the appeal is the done, right? It's having oh my gosh, so much. Nothing's ever going to be done, right? I know. And, I, and I've been really stressing out about a couple things lately that were sort of out of my control. And I was like, why am I? Why are these driving me so crazy? Because they involved other people, and I couldn't mm. control them. The getting yeah. done of them. I was like, why aren't these things done yet? And yeah, they, yeah. They didn't, they weren't just me. I would be done already if they were, they were my thing, right? Um, and I had to just sit with like, this is just okay. This is like stages of done. I had to embrace each stage. Like, okay, we're at this stage. I'm going to make a list. I'm going to put it on the calendar when the next time to talk about so that it can get done and that kind of thing. So I think you have to also make peace with where you're at at the end of the day. Sometimes that involves like, I do a morning gratitude practice. I say five things mm -hmm. I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. The end of the day, I do a brain dump. So it's like, I get stuff out of my brain, put it on a to-do list app and puke it out so that I don't have to constantly be thinking, oh my gosh, what haven't I done? What haven't I finished? It's like, this is just where we're at today. This is how much I finished today. And that's so you're, you're telling me that minimalists don't have it all done and perfect and figured out. No, no. way. No way. <laughs> it's, a, it's a facade right now. I think it, it's, it's just the, it's what works. Different things work for different people too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not comfortable with so much stuff. Like I'm literally uncomfortable with having to. Yeah. Like, 
if things are shoved, if I don't have room in a closet for clothes yeah. to like move around, yeah. I get I get really anxious. Because <laughs> I used to look through a, a thing of clothes and think I had nothing to wear. Yeah. Now I can like, the only way I do my clothes, I don't do them recondo folding because that gives me so much anxiety. And, like you, everything, almost everything, I'm wearing, you can't tell, I'm wearing blue right now. Almost everything I own is black, first of all. So I'm like, I go to pull out a shirt and all the shirts are unfolded and it's like a disaster, right? Plus I hate folding. So I hang everything. Okay. That way I can see everything. That's everything I have. That's all my clothes and I hang it all. That's what works for me. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. if I were to live somewhere that was more seasonal, I would put seasonal stuff away. So yeah. I can sort of declutter and stay every time I bring out a season. Does that still fit me? Does that still fit my life? Will I wear that? Yeah. Did I just keep that because someone gave that to me, but I don't really like it. And I'd give myself permission to let go of it. That kind of thing. So I think it's a constant, like that, that is sort of the Marie Kondo, like touching things and mm-hmm. being, you know, being, being aware of everything you have all the time and setting up strategies that, that work for that. I think that's the key. I think just don't ignore the hard parts. Like find, think, a, find a buddy and like go through yeah, it together. I, th- you know? I think that's where minimalism has gone astray is mm-hmm. minimalism is a process. It's not the destination. Exactly. We just, in the Western world, we just don't live in a place where we can ensure that once we decide this is the pen that we own forever, that this, in fact, we never have to make another decision about a pen. It's just never going to be the case. And so, you know, I think where the distress must come in or the rebellion against people like Marie Kondo is that you know, people feel like they've been sold snake oil. Uh It's like, well, I bought the book. It's a really cute book. And I read it and I can fold a dang cute little burrito of a (laughs) t-shirt. I can. Right. But honestly, also, also I have a thousand and ten too many toys that spark joy for my kids. There is literally a Nerf dart right here. It sparks joy. I can't throw it out. So you know, I think, I think people that, are like the embracing like that's your life. And I think yes, there's a whole yes. I mean, the seasonality of it all. Yes, the seasonality a, of it all. There's a whole nother thing of minimalism with small children. Like there's a whole like cause I, I have gone to my friends' houses and been with their kids and kind of helped them like assess things and gotten them to go like, Well, you're not you haven't really played with that and maybe somebody else would enjoy that more. That's yeah. been my, my big thing lately is like no, you know, it's not doing anyone any good in your garage. Like mm-hmm. Somebody could really enjoy playing that guitar that's sitting in your garage unplayed for years. Like, yeah. how cool would that be to find that at Goodwill for $10 or whatever, right? So yeah. Yeah. I think we have to think of it that way too. And then the other thing, I think I was decluttering this, this small friend's house. I think she was probably like eight at the time or something. And, and she couldn't remember. There was something she found and she goes, what is this? I go, oh, I gave that to you. It used to be mine when I was a kid. And she's like, oh, like, oh, I have to keep. I said, you know what? I want to tell you something right now. If I ever give you anything, you never have to keep it. You can do whatever you want with it. She's like, I can. And so she was key. She was doing that sentimental mm-hmm. hoarding, like, oh, but this is precious because so-and-so gave it to me. And I'm like, but you never even didn't even know you had it shoved in a closet. You're not wearing it. Like might've been cute the first day I gave it to you, but get rid of it. Like <laughs> let some other kid play with it. So, you know, I think it's just a constant like setting up strategies like you do with the monthly, yeah. the monthly intention, like, okay, I'm going to monthly 
do a little like, let me check out my closet every month and pull everything out. Does that work in my life? Does that not work in my life anymore? Does those cute Instagram sweatpants that, that everybody wears, like they feel, I feel crappy in them. So I'm going to, or frumpy or whatever, right? I'm going to let go of them just because they were on trend and I was sucked in and that's okay. And yeah, like, man. That's right. It's the, that's okay. Yeah. It's not, it's also, that's, yeah. I could probably yeah. continue to expound on that is the like, if I hold the leggings, and I bought them and I yeah. spent hard earned money on them and I don't like them, then I have to admit that I made a mistake. And the consequence of that is, is scarcity versus if I keep them, I can pretend that I didn't make a mistake and have them. Yeah. And by having them, I can pretend that my life is full and abundant and on track, you know? So Doing that one time with the leggings is okay, but there are so many things that we hold on to because letting go of them would admit that I didn't like it. It was a present and I didn't like it. Even though I love Bridget, she gave me something I don't like. Yeah. And what does that say about me if I don't like the things that my friends give me? You know, yeah. and all of these micro judgments every time you give something away or throw it out, you know. It's the fatigue of it all. You know, we, we do have a limited capacity to make decisions every single day. You're making me think actually right before the pandemic in January of 2020, I had challenged myself for a month to declutter daily, to open up a drawer, yep. out of here. I had a great time. I thought I'd figured it all out. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, <laughs> it's fine, guys. It's fine. I figured it out. Medium effort. Don't worry about it. You just declutter every day. Then the pandemic hit and barely could I barely throw things away. I mean, like literal trash, I could throw trash away, but everything seemed to potentially have a purpose someday because everything was on hold. Yeah. Right. It was like, well, this summer we're not going to go to the swimming pool, but we might next summer, summer after that. I don't know. Better yeah. keep this ratty towel. No idea. Yeah. You know, and so all of the literal small decisions about the future were almost like, who knows? I, I don't, will you need it? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. It could be fine. It could well, be the end of the world. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I think the know. The assessment is like, okay, do I really like this towel? Do I have other towels that are better than this towel <laughs> yeah. anyway? And I don't need 10 towels. I really only need five. Like, yeah. how, how many times am I? So that's like the piece of it is, how many times am I really going to the pool? Do I need five bathing suits or do I only need two that I can rotate? Yeah. Right? yeah. And then there's the, okay, cool. I want to build a life where I go to the pool more often. So I'm right. going to celebrate these things or, or is it, but for a lot of us, pandemic has my body changed. And yeah. Bathing oh suit boy. Anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So there's that one. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's the just in case items because there is, there's also, again, a socioeconomic piece to that. Some people have, you know, they buy things when they're on sale. There's a, there's a, a philosophy there that it's like, okay, then I spent money on that and I'm not going to, you know, there's a just in case. And there's also preparedness too, in some ways, like if you get rid of everything and then, oh, there's something happens and you need something, right? Um, look at us all with the toilet paper though. Like we went, <laughs> we went crazy in that situation. The toilet paper was the hoarding of the toilet paper was just insane. Right. But it's, so it is, you can, you can see why that happens. It's like a security blanket, Yeah. but it actually does the opposite. 
mm-hmm. because all the times I've had to change my life have been better, been better with having less stuff than having more stuff I suddenly mm-hmm. had to take with me on these new phases of my life. And accommodate for. Yeah. It was like, oh, cool. I'm glad I only have two suitcases and a couple of boxes of things because I don't even know what I'm doing with my life now. And I have yeah. the ability to choose from that. I don't go, oh my God, do I pay to store this stuff? Do I, Yeah. does this stuff define where I have to move in my life and all these things? It, it gives you, there's a, a freedom inside of that too. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, yeah, again, medium effort applied to decluttering. If it makes you feel good to do it too, I think, you know, for me, that's my personality. Like I love decluttering. Yeah. I could declutter all day. Um, I love constantly assessing things and looking at things and, and, and it, imagining things. And it's also, like I said, my creativity flourishes when I have sort of an absence of things because I can, instead of coming up with, um, or less things, actually, I get more creative because it's like a limitation. But not you know? just creativity. Like mm-hmm. you have navigated some very traumatic traumatic things it's traumatic to be burglarized Mm -hmm. you have navigated very top five life transitions yeah moving anywhere across country divorce and you have done that you have creatively been able to imagine yourself in a different position or creatively navigate your way from those states because your attachment to physical things and your ability to process as a minimalist mm-hmm. was able to support you in very, very healthy ways for you. So I do think, you know, if we go back to that intentionality, if we circle back to the space piece of things, I guess my takeaway would be, and I'd be really curious to hear your takeaway, mm-hmm. is if you are not a minimalist, if you are anticipating a transition, if you are living life at the end of the pandemic. So everyone's going to fall in that last category there. Then just take stock and clear away something and allow yourself the space to move forward with less. Maybe it's limiting beliefs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I know. (laughs) Maybe it's limiting beliefs. Maybe it's towels. Maybe it's lipsticks. Maybe it's the clothes that don't fit you because of ways your body changed during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Clear something away because collectively as a society, we are all moving into the next part. And we deserve the freedom of having a bit of cleared cleared out space. Mm -hmm. You know, that's my takeaway from this. I think whether you are a minimalist in the physical sense or the mental sense, apply it somehow. Apply it to your thoughts, apply it to your stuff, because we're all transitioning right now. I never thought of minimalism before this conversation as just like a caring, self-compassionate way to be. It is. It's really, honestly, um, it's because I'm big on boundary setting and boundaries Mm. and things like that. And and I didn't really realize the correlation of the two also. especially with the way I've built my business, you know, even it's easy to do with your business where you can go, Oh, these are the days I'm scheduled to have client calls on my, on my calendar and and no one can book on these certain days. Like it's, it's easier to do that with people you don't know, right. Versus people in your life. It's like they'll push the boundaries. Life will push the boundaries. Things will happen. Circumstances will happen. Yeah. Um, And so I think it's just the constant with the boundaries. It's always looking under the filter of like, what do I need in this moment? And 
even if the space, all the space is, is a deep breath. Like even if that's all you got, Mm -hmm. take a deep breath and go like, what do I need right now? Can I ask someone for this? Can I, do I need help? Do I actually need to reach out and get help from my therapist, from a friend, from a family member, from somebody who gets me, uh, from someone on Instagram who I'm inspired by, like you, you know, like I did for sure. I was the other day, I was having a rough day and I'm like, oh, this is so perfect. Cause yeah, I mean, I look at you and you're all dialed in with what you're doing these days. And I was like, she's having a hard day. Not, that's, I don't want her to have a hard day, but like, it makes me feel like, okay, I don't have to have it perfect every day. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I think that's the thing is just like giving yourself the space, you know, owning the space, even if you have a busy life then going, okay, do I, does my life need to be this busy? Is there mm-hmm. stuff I can chuck that I don't really mm-hmm. need? Is there, am I stressed out about, am I saying I don't have time to work out, but I know it's good for me. So yeah. like, what's, the, what's the medium version of that I can do? Okay. Yeah. Can I walk? five minutes today. Like if I can't do that, I don't know what my life is. Right. So I think it's not like I have to have a full gym experience. (laughs) Like what's the, you know, so me, for me, it's the minimal version, right? Like what's the simplest way I'm always, what's the simplest thing we can do right now to get this result? What's the simplest thing I can do right now? What's the thing I need to go talk to someone about? What do I actually need to say? Like we overcomplicate. And yes. stuff is a, a big yes. way we overcomplicate. Yes, our we, lives. Do. So, we do. We do. We so over research. We over analyze. We overthink. Yeah. If I could just read one more book, I might, you know, figure it out for sure. Get one I think, more degree. That's right. That's right. That's yeah, right. All of that. Like yeah. we're not. It's a very. And what's interesting is underneath the minimalism too. It's a very. We're not good enough. Mm-hmm. And so we also arm ourselves with stuff to make our, ourselves feel like enough when it's actually. We're, we're getting like lost underneath all of the, the thoughts and the expectations and the physical clutter. And so it's, it's allowing yourself to be enough, allowing the way that you feel in that moment, even if it's crappy, even if other people are excited around you, like everything's open, let's go to the restaurants, the pandemic's over. And you're like, but I feel weird and scared and insecure. And I kind of like, like, do I have agoraphobia now? Like what's happening to me? Right. Just like giving yourself the space to be where you are. And I think we don't give ourselves, especially as women, I don't think we give ourselves permission to do that enough. I couldn't agree with you more. So I love that. I think we're just going to take the space that we need, whether it's a breath or a shelf or (laughs) a whole garage, a she shed full of of space. We're going to start taking up the space that we deserve to, to make the transitions and to feel good about ourselves. Bridget, this has been awesome. Will you come back on my podcast? Of course. Oh my gosh. I loved chatting with you. I like to wrap up with a lightning round because I have a really hard time saying goodbye to people. Yep. Uh, Lightning round just kind of helps me uh, put a pin in really long philosophical conversations (laughs) when both of us agree. We could just continue to agree with each other. Yep. Okay. Um, Thank you again. You are just you are incandescent. You're just, you're beautiful. You're a beautiful soul. I love that you help people who help people in your business. I think that after talking to you for this hour and having gotten to know you online is absolutely a talent that you are really bringing into the world and, and you're truly amazing. Thank you again for talking to me today and we'll just sign off with a lightning round. Okay. Summer themed. But you live in California, so maybe I live in a very seasonal it's, place it's in Canada. It's literally 107 degrees outside okay, right now. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Summer vibes. Fried chicken or barbecue ribs? 
I'm mostly vegan, so it would have to be like a fried <laughs> vegan chicken because I'm into that. <laughs> oh, no. I love okay, it. Okay, I okay. It. Watermelon or strawberries? Oh, gosh, that's a tough one. I've been lately on this watermelon with, um, there's a chili lime spice. It's like a tahini, but it's, yeah, I got it from somewhere else. But yeah, chili lime spice on the watermelon. Ooh, so good. Okay. Yes. Um, the last book that you finished. The last book that I finished was The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. Oh, I have that on my list. Would you recommend it? Highly recommend. Okay. Yes. All right. Very good. I just finished um, Into the Drowning Deep by Mira Grant. It's like a science-y, science fiction, thriller, horror about mermaids. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. It was great. Really good. (laughs) Favorite place you've been in the RV? Favorite place I've been was oddly this surprising little town called Bisbee, Arizona, which is like this mining town and there's an RV park and you're basically over a, your RV is like overlooking an uh, abandoned mine and there's all this big, there's like ghost stuff in the town and it's it's really like a charming, cute old town. Amazing. That's Mm -hmm. incredible. Um, And then um, my last question was going to be, last thing you decluttered last thing you threw away the last thing i threw away um was some shoes that did not work for me that i was really hopeful would be like the perfect sneakers and i just had to admit that they didn't work okay so i got rid of them and how are you feeling (laughs) since i feel good i feel like i don't feel like i want to get new sneakers i feel like why did i even get new sneakers i mean it's (laughs) funny yeah (laughs) Thing. They didn't like change didn't. me into another person. <laughs> yeah. See? They did not live up to their, their claims. No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Bridget, I hope you have a great evening. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your week and weekend. You too. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Bridget. In my excitement to talk to her, I forgot to remind you where you can find her. Bridget and I met on Instagram, but if you're interested in her feed, which is pretty awesome, and in learning more about her, she can be found on Instagram at minimalist underscore mojo or search for Bridget Baker. And her website is minimalistmojo.com. Please remember to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to be listening. It really will help me continue to build a community of people who are focused on using medium effort to build the life that they want and have mindful fun every day. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Erin. This has been Medium Lady Talks, and I will see you again soon. Bye.